I'm me, can't nobody hold us down, and this is Wiggly's Book Club, episode 27. Wiggly's Book Club is a fortnightly read brought to you by Chips. Chips. California Highway Patrol. Wiggly's Book Club is broadcast live. That's right, live from Sloppy Joe's Bar, located in Easton, Pennsylvania, West Ward. West Ward. Without any further ado, let us now go live down to Wiggly in Sloppy Joe's Bar, the east front wing of Mighty Trapdoor Towers, for the 1991 Chronicle Books classic, Spin Again, board games from the 50s and 60s. It's going to be a fun book. You already hear what I'm going to read, but i tell you about it down here anyway. Today I'm going to have a diet uh, Dr. W, which is a, you know, a Dr. Pepper type of uh, drink Dr. Pepper and you're proud. And I'm going to put in uh, about a shot of Captain Morgan's private stock. Let's see here. It's got to eyeball it. There we go. That looks good. Bump, bump the mic there. Why is this mic still set up the ways I told him I don't like it? Oh, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm going to be drinking out of my, and I, I can't see, uh, the, the Biscuit biscuit Company uh, glass, whatever, 25, 25 cents a glass. The Biscuit Company, sorry, I to think about it last time, National Biscuit Company. Raise this up. Pardon me for... A noise. I think I'm going to try to stand up this time. Can't see. Turn on the light. Here we go. Got such a great, great response about the uh, board game book. What was that? Um, board games, I think it was called. Celebrating board games. I'm going to read from Spin Again, board games from the 50s and 60s by Rick Polizzi and Fred Schaefer. Now, these are from the 50s and 60s, so, uh, you know, many of us weren't around in the 50s and 60s. Uh, and on the back, it has the game from Route 66 Travel Game, featuring the car and the, and the stars of uh, Route 66. Great. I don't even think that's in reruns. Um, here's the Isbin. I don't know how much this costs. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to skip to some games in the back after I read the inside. Oh, 1695. Inside, inside uh jacket and stuff on the front we have oh geez a whole bunch of games oh here's that guy with the checkered i can't remember him. but uh, there's games in here here's the beatles game hop along cassidy game uh here's leave it to beaver game i know there's a jackie gleason game and oh that's a sweet looking superman game uh, i'm gonna get try to look for that and dude ranch the game dude ranch the game that sounds uh, horny Uh, inside front jacket, spinning. Uh, what, what, what year is this from? Chronicle Books, San Francisco board games of the 50s and 60s. I already told you that shit. Uh, copyright 1991 by Chronicle Books. All rights reserved, no part of this book. That shit. Uh, 
So there you go, Chronicle Books, 1991. You probably still get this in the different shops and stuff. I didn't even take my drink. By the way, I had a few shots before I got here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, not as good as I thought. Mm. You need to have tattoo. You need to have tattoo when you have... Uh, Captain Morgan's tattoo, when you have, um, uh, even in cola, then it starts to taste like Dr. Pepper. But if you're going to have Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, put it on ice, bitch, Dr. Pepper, you need to have a tattoo, I believe. Spin again is a familiar phrase from childhood, especially for those who grew up during the 50s and 60s. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, plays this fucking board games at Spin again. Uh, it was an age when virtually everything in America's society, both... Wasn't, wasn't um, the other board games one, like, so ignorant towards certain things? I guess people that collect and like board games are fucking re recluses. How do they have someone to play against? Maybe they play against the devil like I do. <laughs> I love collecting board games. They're so fun, some of them, and so shitty and so fun shitty who grew up during the 50s and 60s, two decades that revolutionized American pop culture. It was an age when virtually everything in America's society, both popular and obscure, became a board game. Mmm. Interesting. Inspired by the fads and social trends of the time, TV shows, teen life, the space race, military heroes, cartoons, and movies. <coughs> Pardon me, jeez. Maybe this is why I shouldn't stand up and burp. <clears throat> Read. Military heroes, cartoons, and movies. These games fueled America's passion for competition and entertainment. Spin again tips a hat to the artwork and design of America's games of the 50s and 60s, highlighting the weird and the wonderful, the best and tackiest of game boxes, boards, and playing pieces. Full-color photo photographs of these uh, games accompanied by humorous anecdotes and fascinating facts offer nostalgic fun for um, family and friends. Included are brief histories of the major game companies and of informative overview of the industry trends from Hopalong Cassidy, the first board game based on a TV character, how about that, to The Beatles, Flip Your Wig, and mystery date, are you ready for your mystery date? Are you ready for your mystery date? This colorful volume will be a delight, be a delight to browse through for both collectors and nostalgia buffs alike. And indeed it is, it's, it's pretty large. I mean, you're looking at several inches by several inches, because I don't know. I don't know how to measure dates. And, uh, oh my gosh, here's like Godzilla, Outer Limits, King Kong. Here's Kreskin's ESP. I have that game. It's not really a game. Here's Kingzor. Oh man, if you can get a work in Kingzor, fucking get it. It's awesome. He's a dinosaur that rolls around and like shoots ping pong balls at you. And you got to try to, what do you shoot with? A dart gun or something? You got to try to shoot his tail to make him go one way. And that's pretty cool. Weirdo's game, which has the rat Fink artwork and rat finks on it voodoo wow that looks uh, scary Myst uh, mystic skull twilight zone oh wow haunted house by 1962 by idea yeah see this is a book where you could just start flipping 
you know, just start flipping and, and then becoming grossed in uh, whatever whatever you see there. Rick Palazzi, writer and avid. Now, here's Rick Palazzi and Rick and Fred Schaefer. And they're, uh, they're on the, uh, you know, flat cardboard and, and placed in the, the, um, the plastic piece holder if you have a, I don't know how to fucking explain right now. Rick Palazzi, writer and avid game collector, was born in New Orleans and spent most of his Christmases at his grandparents' house uh, on Bourbon Street playing with the games he got from Santa. Thanks, Mom and Dad. He and his wife, Carla, now reside in Los Angeles and work in the entertainment industry. When not spelunking, they love traveling around the country searching for odd roadside attractions. That must be nice. Fred Schaefer, also a New Orleans native, is a writer, currently living in Los Angeles. Until recently, he, was wor he has worked exclusively in the film and television in industry, developing programs for network, cable, and public television. He has virtually no hobbies to speak of and collects nothing of importance, despite this, most of his friends still enjoy his company. What the fuck is he writing a book on this then for? Maybe he took the photos. I'm going to do something a little bit unusual and start right at the back because uh, it has some games that we'll immediately um, know, like Twister. All thumbs. Good hand-eye coordination was essential in playing skill uh, and action. How are we doing on time? I didn't even check. 8.30. Not bad. Let me take a drink. Put a little bit more Dr. W in there. Get the doctor going. Shows a picture of the, the, the uh, Twister Spinner. Doesn't show the box art, just the Twister Spinner. <clears throat> Some other games on it, the next are, are, are amazing. It's the box art. And one actually shows the game, and I remember that game. Twister! Good hand-eye coronation was essential in playing skill action games, although the uh, they reached full bloom in the mid-60s. Games of dexterity have always existed in various forms throughout game history. Twister! But you put your left foot on red, you put your right foot down. Twister! I can't remember the, the uh, jingle for it. Parker Brothers introduced its first skill and action game in, in 1897, a British game called Pillow Dex. Pillow Dex, D-E-X, a precursor to ping pong. Pillow decks had play players seated at a table, batting a balloon, trying to keep it from touching the table or the ground. Something people tend to do when there's a loose balloon in the room. <laughs> no shit. And then I had a name, Pillow Pong. Oh, Pillow Decks. I mean, Pillow Decks. Uh, I keep the table. So something people tend to do. So, so, following that was Tiddlywinks. A game released by several companies. Parker Brothers released the first indoor tennis game, Ping Pong, which became one of the first game crazes in the 1900s. So 1897, Parker Brothers releases eight, uh, Pillow Dicks. Pillow Dicks. I think that's how you pronounce it, Pillow Dicks. Oh, that. Pillow Dicks. A skill in action, uh, the skill in action games of the 60s were popular in part because they were visually stimulating and other parts stimulating when you're rubbed up against people. Like these people trying to do the twister, or doing the 69 twister. 
the yin is in her yang. They typically enjoyed, employed big, unwieldy pieces of colorful plastic with moving parts. Some had lights and noisy buzzers, and most were harbing, harbing, har, harbingers of the video games of the 70s. Of the video games of the, se of the 70s. How about that? Hmm. Mel Bradley's competitors accused them of se selling sex in a box when they released the phenomenally successful action game Twister in 1966. <laughs> I was born. I'm 50. Um, yeah, sex in a box. There you go. Twister was the first game in history to use the human body as a full-fledged full playing piece. And admittedly, the Milton Bradley Company released the game with a fair amount of hesitation. The company's fear of public criticism and its own skepticism about its potential for success were obliterated when Johnny Carson demonstrated the game on The Tonight Show. And it didn't hurt matters that Eva Gabor, wearing a low-cut gown, was one of Johnny's guests that night. Wow. Eva's the better one. Jaja was the bitch. Wait. Can't remember. When, with Eva play, with, with Eva splayed out on, the, on all fours on the polka dot vinyl mat, Johnny twirled the spinner and took his turn. When he climbed on top of Eva, the studio audience went into hysterics, screaming and laughing. Probably looked that up on YouTube. Merlin Bradley executives knew immediately they had a huge hit in their, on their hands. More than you, you'll have a huge tit in your hands if you play that. More than three million copies of Twister were sold during its first year of release. Man, you're on the most, you're on a program that every adult watched, you know, as they before they went to bed or in bed or whatever bed. Everybody watched that show. Uh, skill in action games were popular because they intrigued both adults and children. They satisfied a kid's natural tendency to be hyperactive and made a unique addition to adult parties. After all, grown-ups need to have fun, too. <laughs> 13, 13. It looks like I'm blowing out. Eh. Eh. Here's a game by Milton Bradley, Grab-A-Loop. Grab-A-Loop, the game that really grabs you. Right there is where you, why you fail. So it looks like people are running around trying to grab tiny uh, loops off of other people's pants, their belts. <laughs> you put in their belts and everybody's running around uh, chasing people, trying to get their loops off their belts. Grab a loop, Milton Bradley, 1968. Milton Bradley's follow-up to Twister, its object was the opposite of its predecessors. Players had to stay away from each other to protect their colored loops. It's like tag. It's, you know, it is flag tag. I said flag football, it's flag tag. Limbo Legs, Limbo Legs by Milton Bradley. Be nimble, be quick, jump over the limbo stick. Oh my, it's a, it's a, 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 a the people have to like hold on to each other's heads. And, and yeah, they have to hold on to each other's heads. Then this stick goes whirling around on the ground and they have to jump over it. Limbo Legs by Milton Bradley in 1969. Milton Bradley's Head of Research and Development, Jim Hulihan. 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 That's a weird way to spell Hulihan. Uh, felt obligated to buy this game 
from an independent inventor offered offer he tried to play it and fell on top of it crushing the inventor's only prototype i smashed it to smithereens the guy was horrified i felt so sorry for him i had to buy it <laughs> uh, here's time bomb this is the one i re i remember this time bomb it's one of these like cartoon bombs a sphere and it has a fuse that goes tick 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 and the fuse uh, slowly comes into the fuse holder you know it gets sucked in there instead of being on fire and I think it's a hot potato time bomb Milton Bradley 1965 the familiar game of hot potato <laughs> was released incognito to captivate the uh, capitalize on the 60s spy craze like spy versus spy the reason I wanted to read the back is because we have operation and we also have um, Tippet. Tippet, one of my favorite games, 1965 by Ideal. So I figured I'd, I'd read these. They're a little bit more you know, than going into, you know, Garby Gumbel's game of <laughs> of walk, uh, move a penny across a board. Cold Feet. Cold Feet came out. Now this looks... Cold Feet is a... Is this a Russian roulette? Oh my gosh. I think that's what it is. It's this gun. Looks like it's on a frog or something on a spin, spinning thing. Cold Feet Ideal 1967. Larry Reiner, who headed Ideal's game division of, in the 60s, admits this game was simply a variation of Russian roulette. <laughs> Concerned that the parents might realize this, Ideal designed a gun as a non-intimidating, fanciful blunderbuss. Indeed, it, it's, just, it, it's made to look like a revolver, but it's got a giant, like, phonograph bugle horn like a an old uh, victrola or something and uh but it, it does have it does have a um uh a cartridge a uh what do you call that thing you know you spin it around on your gun that thing but that's what you do you see you squirt somebody in your face with, with water it's the squirt game <laughs> cold feet the squirt game <laughs> i thought twister was the squirt game Here's a great-looking game. There's another reason why it's a fucking mousetrap. Not the game mousetrap. It's a giant... <laughs> it's a giant mousetrap called... called... Swack. Hmm. <laughs> oh, the good old days when you can maim people with board games. Swack. Ideal. 1968. Ideal. Reinvents the mousetrap. Kids had to remove pieces of cheese without getting their little hands caught in the trap. It's all plastic, but it's it's spring-loaded, you know. I'm sure it didn't go very fast, but um, it's very funny-looking and, and very intimidating. Tippet, I love this game. I have some of the shots of Tippet in probably Facebook and uh, definitely in my Instagram. I suck at Instagram. I have so many great Instagram pictures and all my pictures, and I've, I don't know how many people follow me. I don't, I don't, can't keep track of that. I have thousands of people on Facebook and, and, and Twitter. But uh, the thing that I like the most is, uh, is Instagram, and uh, like I get, you know, two likes on something. Two hearts, 1820. Okay, here's it. Test your skill and dexterity by keeping the wacky acrobat on his perch. I'm not going to explain to you what Tippet looks like. Look it up if you don't know. Flintstones just for kicks game. Whoa. Oh, this is fucking cool. So it's a target game. 
there's different dinosaurs in the windows. One's a saber-toothed tiger. And I got a dude that looks like Dino. But he's uh, green with a yellow snoot. So it's got uh, one big big uh, dino in the middle, four or across the corners. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty big thing. But Fred Flintstone's down the bottom, and, and it looks like you punch him in the head, and he kicks. He kicks a color ball uh, at, at these... Uh, Fucking dinosaurs. Flintstones, just for kicks games, Transigram, Transigram they, they were right here in uh, Easton. Transigram, 1962. Whack Fred on his head and watch him boot rocks into the dinosaur caves for points. They're, they're plastic balls. They're like, they look like the balls from Popeye Spinach Toss. Oh, no, those are, those are actually shaped like cabbages, which I guess are supposed to be spinaches. Oh, this is a weird dust jacket. It's attached. There's Operation Mount Bradley, 1965. See, that's how old these things are. People don't realize this. Worried about the seriousness of the, of the subject matter, Mount Bradley designers made the patient as cartoon-like as possible. Yeah. Man, people used to be scared to play that game. <laughs> they thought they were going to get shocked. Here's Flea Circus. I thought that was Flea Circus, but it looked a little too colorful. But no, those are the matchsticks and a giant safety pin that comes with Flea Circus. And this is a game that I have. I play with my buddy Ed. Flea Circus by Mattel, 1964. I thought it was from the 50s. Um, so I'm going to have to look at that. And the fleas are little magnets. And you have, to tear, you have to like tear down the whole thing and put it back up. Jeez, it's right in, the, it's right in this closet. I should get it, but I don't know. Uh, join a troop of magnetic fleas as they perform death-defying feats to win the game. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty interesting, the game. Uh, you spend more time setting up the event that you're supposed to try to go against your, your opponent in than you do actually uh, playing the game, playing that event. Because there's different events. You pick these cards. And so you have to transmogrify and transform the, the playing field to make, you know, like a tightrope or uh, trapeze or a thing where you try to jump in a, a, a target and all this other type of stuff. This one is crazy. Hoopla. I know this game. Hoopla. Wow, it looks beautiful. Hoopla 1966 by Ideal Ideals. Skill game borrows from the tradition of grabbing the brass ring off a carousel. Indeed it does. Wow, I, I don't know how this works. If I want to play it, because there's the rings coming out, the thing where you would shove your finger into the ring, and I can't believe some people don't know about that on uh, carousels. Grabbing the brass ring. Uh, 2141. Okay. Dedicated to Richard Emery, Richard Emery Polizzi. This is by <clears throat> Rick Polizzi and Fred Schaefer. So I'm assuming it's. Uh, Somebody related to Fred, to Fred Schaefer, to Rick. Thanks in uh, Scrabble Tiles. To the many people in the toy industry who took the time to talk to us uh, at length about these unique period in American games, or who simply pointed us in the right direction, our sincere thanks. Julie Cooper, blah, 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 blah. Thanks also due to blah, 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 blah. And everyone at Chronicle Books, blah, blah, blah. Friends and contribute to the numerous ways of offering and encouragement and practical advice. Thanks to blah, blah, blah. Uh, phone call, our agent, Mike, blah, 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 blah. In addition, Fred would also like to thank blah, 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 blah. Finally, special thanks to blah, 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 blah. 
So you got the introductions. You have don't touch. You don't touch that dial. Don't touch that dial. You have turn out the lights. Pajamas and cereal. No girls allowed. The real world. No boys allowed. Three, two, one, blast off. Just the facts, ma'am. Disney's world. We folk. Mr. Know-it-all. Howdy, partner. And all thumbs. All thumbs is what we read on uh, 116. There's a game called Mansion Happiness. In 1923, uh, archaeologist Howard Carter wiped his brow and pried open the tomb of Tutankhamun. His anticipation of discovering... Oh, his beard got marred, I guess. Someone's in trouble. His, uh, his anticipation of discovering perhaps the archaeological find of the century and the fame and riches that would follow led him further, farther into the dark, silent catacomb. Once there, he found gold jewelry... jewelry Jewelry, precious art, artifacts, and a game board complete with dice and playing pieces. A game played in Egypt by, by, by Egypt, Egyptian royalty. If he, if he had never found his way out of the stone labyrinth, at least he wouldn't have been bored. <laughs> oh, lovey. Lovey. E.T. phone home. Hmm. Still doesn't taste good. Brief history of playing. Humans have cultivated the art of playing for thousands of years. Egyptians and Greeks and Romans enjoyed varying forms, backgammon, checkers, uh, dominoes and chess, elaborate dolls, and other toys have turned up in the coffins of Roman children, while one Greek vase, Voss, sports a picture of a young boy playing with a yo-yo, you see, yo-yo a toy that eventually vanished in Europe only to reappear in the late 18th century as an important form the f in, in, in as an important as an import <coughs> from the far east seems that you can't keep a good fad down board games have existed for over 4000 years they were enjoyed by in the western hemisphere before Columbus uh, and his sea craze crew stumbled on the new world when the first European settlers arrived in North America, they brought with them their children's games and toys to use for bartering with the presumably, 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 Bob, uh, entertained star, entertainment star of savages, and uh, perhaps to remind themselves of a world left behind. Some toys, however, probably were carted across the gray Atlantic simply to quiet the piercing screams of stubborn children. Uh, American Wilderness, here we go. Checkered Game of Life. Whoa, this has like a top uh, with the numbers on it. It's a dreidel type of thing. And it also has a meter. That's just to keep, uh, it's not a spinner. So you, instead of throwing dice, you'd spin a dreidel-y thing. Immediate uh, successful sound. Okay, so it's, uh, okay. Checkered Game of Life. Many years later, in Springfield, uh, 1943, the company, geez, I don't know where to start with this. Typically, many games companies began as stationary lithography or lithography or book-selling businesses whose founders quickly saw the merit of publishing board games since games at the time were made entirely of paper and cardboard. It was natural progression from these companies and, lith and lithographs as well. Uh, tin and stuff. Uh, in 1843, the W and S B Ives Company, a well-respected stationer in Salem, Massachusetts, 
produced the first American board game, Mansion of Happiness, in which good deeds led children and their playing pieces down the path to eternal happiness. Well, that's, that's not uh, too extreme right there. Eternal happiness. Invented by Anne W. Abbott, the daughter of a clergyman, the game was designed to promote morality and good values, a trend that would become popular in future games. Frivolous game playing was apparently condoned in Puritan households only if the fun and laughs led you straight down the path to righteousness. Many years later, the Springfield, Massachusetts, a young man who, by the name of Milton Bradley, <laughs> his name was Milton Bradley. How about that? I thought that was two different people. Milton Bradley was looking for something to invigorate his alien lithography business in 1860. He printed the checkered game of life, like Mansion of Happiness, Bradley's game was meant to instill morality in children by rewarding good deeds and punishing bad ones. The first player to reach happy old age was the winner. Happy old age of 42. <laughs> The game was a no, that's not true. The game was an immediate success, selling over forty-five thousand copies during its first year of release. The fledgling American toy and game industry thrived until the outbreak of the Civil War, when imported imports were scuttled and businesses hit a lull. Immediately following the war, toy sales boomed once again. By nineteen hundred, over five hundred toy companies competed for sales established at. $2 million, $20 million. Playing had suddenly become serious business. 500 toy companies. Uh, 2832. In February 1902, 10 sales representatives from American Toy Factory set up a temporary headquarters in Lower Manhattan Hotel for four weeks. Their goal, to entice professional buyers with new American toys and games. The practice became so successful that other salespeople followed suit, making it an annual affair in New York City. Thus began the American International Toy Fair. Today, one of the largest toy trade shows in the United States. Later, Toy Fair was uh, managed by the Toy Manufacturers of America, the Industry Trade Association founded in 1916. TMA was and still is the voice of the U.S. toy industry to government, trade, and media and consumers. At Toy Fair, manufacturers uh, introduced their new product lines to buyers from a major toy store chains and jobbers who purchase products for the smaller independent businesses. <clears throat> their toy companies get their first hint of a, an item's future popularity. If buyers don't think a game will do well, they are hesitant to submit large orders. Toy Fair is also a good place to Anticipate future trends by getting a peek at where other companies are heading with their product lines. And it's all that's that little edge that counts in the highly competitive world of toys and games. Yeah, I'm sure they wait for the toy event to find out what their competition is doing. 3001. <clears throat> Fads and trends. Board games have always mirrored our society. So I just read these things. Game of Round the World with Nellie Bly. It's from 1890. Look at Nellie. She's got her overcoat on. Can't see her ankles, of course. And she's got a very, very conservative. She's got a like a doctor's bag. And um, 
she goes around the world in a circular type of board game with very boring looking illustrations on it. Here's the uh, east is east and west is west. A trip around the world, another trip around the world. You go here. Trip around the world by Parker Brothers, circa 1920. Here there's little uh, illustrations that looks fucking boring. They look, the illustrations like the Ripley's Believe It or Not illustrations from the, uh, from the Sunday papers. The good old game of Innocence Abroad, Parker Brothers, <laughs> Salem, Massachusetts, New York, London. Innocence Abroad, Parker Brothers, 1888. So you can see a theme here of, you know, let's be boring and go around the world. Here's Hopalong Cassidy, finally Milton Bradley in, in 1950, and then Men Into Space by Milton Bradley in 1960. And Men Into Space, I believe, was a television program. If not, it was Men in Space or something similar, uh, which uh, you can probably find on YouTube old episodes of these men. No, it was called Men Into Space. So, uh, that, so that had a game. Wow, that was a weird program, weird program. Uh, but wait, that was 60? Yeah, who cares? I closed the book. Back to me in the studio. Thank you. that you've enjoyed tonight's feature of the Chronicle Books 1991 classic Spin Again board games from the 50s and 60s tone your own copy go back to the 50s and 60s maybe the management would also like to apologize tonight's super secret surprise celebrity guest the incredible Hawk cannot be here for Wiggly and the entire crew of Wiggly's Book Club I'm Wiggly and remember kids if somebody comes up to you and smacks you around and says hey Hey, dummy, how'd you get so smart? My first response would be, rip. Reading is fundamental. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.